And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Before we dive deep in today's episode, I want to let you know about a special offer I'm making available for the month of April to the first 25 people who enroll into my Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is one of the most comprehensive programs on the internet and has attracted hundreds of like-minded health enthusiasts that have a passion for natural nutrition, alternative healing, upgrading their lifestyle, and helping others live a healthier and happier life. So what I want to offer you for being a loyal listener of this podcast is the opportunity to not only participate in all this program has to offer, but you will also receive lifetime access to this program, our vibrant online community, our monthly video coaching calls led by me, and over 55 bonus videos on top of our core curriculum library. This course is absolutely perfect for virtually everyone who has a deep desire to improve their knowledge of health, natural foods, superfood nutrition, tonic herbalism, detoxification, brain health, and peak performance. Whether you're a busy stay-at-home mother, devoted father, an aspiring or seasoned health coach, or simply someone who wants to experience their life and health at another level, This course has something special to offer. So for the first 25 people who enroll, they will receive almost 60% off the original tuition price. Yes, you heard me right. That is 60% off the original tuition. And as a special bonus, I will personally send you signed copies of both of my books, which have been endorsed by thought leaders such as David Wolfe, Michael Beckwith, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and many others. 
I have never, ever made an offer like this before, and I'm doing it because I want you to have access to the absolute best information and strategies that exist in the most affordable and accessible way possible. So to find out more details on this program and this offer, please go to www.healthmasterycourse.com. Remember, this is open for the first 25 people. So if you feel the call, I hope you take advantage of this one-of-a-kind offer. Again, the website is www.healthmasterycourse.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, as always. And today I am joined for the third time with a special guest by the name of Jason Christoph. And, uh, you know, this is a really special thing because I've only had one other individual, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, on three times. And, uh, you know, three times is just, a, you know, the number three is an interesting so- symbolic number. It has a lot of, uh, a lot of meaning. And beyond that, for me to do three interviews with an individual, especially in such a close time proximity, means that this individual is just a treasure trove of knowledge, insight, wisdom, and perspective. And if you haven't gone back to the last two interviews that I did with Jason, we really covered some incredible depth on some incredible topics. The last one was focused on vaccinations, the medical industry, the psychological and conditioning around the topic of vaccinations and, um, you know, as deep down the rabbit hole as you want to go down that route and uh, definitely recommend those episodes. The first one we did was really about the mechanics of self-sabotage and really getting deep into some interesting territory that Jason focuses his work on. And, uh, you know, today is no different. We are going to go down the rabbit hole. And, you know, the reason I wanted to have uh, Jason on for the third time is because in our last interview, we hit on a particular theme that we couldn't go down in that interview. But I was like, wow, we're really going to have to do it around three because there's this entire theme that I've been looking at. And I know Jason has spent literally decades diving into. Um, One of those things that we're going to talk about is the disempowerment programs around the masculine and feminine archetypes as they're playing out in our world and and some of the problems and complications that are being created from that. But I also am going to discuss with Jason something called uh, the Peter Pan or Perpetual Childhood Syndrome. And what does that have to do with anything? What does what does avoiding adult responsibilities have to do with the circumstances that we find ourselves in our world? And how may these subtle programs be infecting or affecting our life and not allowing us to live um, an optimal life? So anyways, we're going to dive into all that. Jason, welcome to the show for the third time. Well, thanks for having me on, Ronnie. I think it's, uh, I mean, it makes me feel good when you Mention me in the same category as Dr. Gabriel Cousins. I, I, you know, I studied him. I have his books. So thank you for that. It's a big thrill to be back on. And I hope I can uh, educate people without offending too many today in the next hour. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, not not in, you know, I, I really feel like everyone that follows either my work or follows this podcast, the thing I love about this audience is that they're either very educated or they want to be educated. And that's really the key, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's one thing to to get coaching, but it's another thing to be coachable. And we have to be willing to, um, you know, open our mind and, and kind of break through those those psychological barriers that that maybe we have been conditioned by, you know, maybe the society around us has conditioned us and the industrial school system may have conditioned us to think and operate in a certain way. And um, yeah, I feel like the people in my audience are those people, they're similar to the people that follow your work, people that actually want to know the truth and are willing to, uh, you know, to change their ideas and, uh, you know, try on, try on a new paradigm or a new perspective. So, you know, I want to dive right in with you, Jason. Um, I know we're, we got a lot of territory to cover. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is a bit about what we mentioned around this, this idea of a perpetual childhood syndrome. And I think I might've actually heard you mention that term, um, in a previous interview or something. And then there's also this thing that uh, Dr. Hyla Cass in one of our recent interviews, she mentioned that there's a clinical term called reward deficiency syndrome. And it's right along the same lines of this. And I was like, wait a minute. You mean that's a technical term now that's being used in psychological and psychiatric um, circles, reward deficiency syndrome. And then today I heard somebody say Peter Pan. I think it was John Gray said Peter Pan syndrome. I was like, oh man, this is getting really crazy. So um, that's a lot to throw out, throw out there. But um, just for context, I'd like to dig into that with you and and get your perspectives on this whole this whole situation. Well, it's I call it something a little different. I call it uh, the protein, the rise of the professional teenager. So what what you see today is the adults stuck in this perpetual childhood where if you were to, say, visit the pub 30 years ago, you might see 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds. If there was a 28-year-old in the pub, you know, drunk and, you know, being childish, that would probably be upper age limit. And as, you know, 18-year-olds when, you know, when I was in the pub, you know, that 28-year-old probably shouldn't have been there. And that's what we were saying, you know, this isn't really your spot, it's more for young people. And then today, what you see is this elongation of this childhood where you go into the pub uh, and, you know, you might even walk, you know, down an alley to get to your favorite restaurant or slash bar. You know, there's a 45-year-old smoking a joint outside the bar. You walk in the bar and everybody is in their 40s or 50s or 60s everybody's kind of pushing away their full rite of passage because it's a rite of passage to become an adult and we as children are supposed to do that so that the tribe benefits and experiences you know library in that we pass all the knowledge on to the future generations but today people through media and it's always comes back to this sort of inverted and perverted media out of Hollywood. And anybody who investigates Hollywood knows that it's, it's simply there to provide this kind of negative role modeling. So all our, all our media glorification, what it focuses on is it focuses on like 
these people that are between like 15 and 25 years old and it casts this big kind of energy net over them. And humans, of course, will always be guided and drawn and magnetically attracted to where the most energy is. So because the media fabric, it's, you know, fabricated, it's orchestrated, always are adding positive energy to these, their children, they're not supposed to be leading the way or getting the full attention of the society. They're struggling, they're young, they're addicted, they're drunk. I mean, the reality TV shows, the Kardashians, you know, this is where all the public's view is on. And it's proven if we watch uh, some great lectures by Dr. Jerry Croth. And I always mention him. He's a psychologist out of uh, Santa Clara University. And he proves conclusively in his uh, video lectures called American Propaganda that humans mimic what they see. So the media is putting up on the stage what we're supposed to mimic. And we're, it's just like projectile vomit thrown into our, our gaping mouths <laughs> is, a, is a phrase that comes to mind. And so people are literally being taught that the, you know, the good life, the successful life, if I want to be popular, this is, this is the right thing to do. This is the behavior to mimic. And it's all youthful behavior. So we're, you're sort of extinguishing the full adult realm inside our society. So there isn't really any mature adult role models. Like when I walk into um, a restaurant, you know, you see a 45-year-old girl, she's talking about a brand new dragon tattoo that she just got from, you know, just beneath her armpit down to her lower knee. It costs $2,000. She says she can't afford organic food for her kid. And the children, a child-based ego, never thinks more than 5, 10, or 15 minutes in the future. And then an adult, a true adult, which of course we're becoming less and less populated with true moral adults who know what it means to be a moral leader in our society, a moral adult will always think 5, 10, or 15 years in the future. And of course, by hurting the population into this permanent childhood, and understanding that the child ego doesn't have the ability to think long-term about or consider the long-term consequences of any of their actions or behaviors, you can see the benefit for our social engineers. If you have a population who thinks about tomorrow, they're not going to see the long-term puzzle pieces coming down on vaccines or taxes or uh, you know, the UN Army, United Nations Army, or the wars in the Middle East, because the brain is, you know, superficially held in this permanent childhood where it has no ability to think long term. And of course, the permanent childhood and all the glorification, the negative role modeling that we're seeing through the media is always focused as well on sedation and pollution and toxifying the body. And we already have discussed that when you pollute the body, it activates the fight or flight mechanism that that drives a lot of neurological activity into what's called the reptilian brainstem or the R complex, where the lowest IQ versions of us are, you know, are housed. And it's where our emotional side is. And people are like, well, what's the matter with emotions? Well, when your reptilian brain complex is activated 
and you're in a deep emotional state, it's the exact opposite of making decisions based on logic and rational thought. So if you're in the business of farming humans, and I've said this before, you can't farm lions. You can only farm lambs. And all these agendas kind of fit together in a bigger puzzle. Um, you know, you see the big picture where our social engineers are purposely, you know, modifying and manipulating the brain chemistry and the reality of the public through the media to make us more easy, easier to rule, more easier to govern and steal from and, you know, manipulate on a global scale. And the average person who's 50, who basically is only thinking of the next big affair or the, you know, the next wine show or the next uh, charity barbecue where they can eat a couple hot dogs and then pretend to themselves that they're helping uh, a disease foundation, you, it, that, that, uh, that person will have an adult body. They will have a license that say they're an adult, but they're actually not, they've never taken the rite of passage from a, from a child, from a teen to, to a young adult, to a full leader in our society. And our social engineers want nothing to do with strong, healthy uh, population. They want everybody kind of trapped as a protein, a professional teenager. Mm. Hope that makes some sense. Makes perfect sense. It's um, a really great introduction to this whole concept. And I thought there was some really interesting, as I, as I kind of pieced some of this together and looked at different um, research or different perspectives on this similar theme, which is basically like, how did we get into this mess in the first place, right? Like, how did we get so far off track, collectively speaking? And I'm not into collectivism, but obviously that is a part of the problem. We have created a collective or I guess it's like almost like it's a standard, it's a, uh, what is it? It's a standard American quo or, um, you know, it's like the theme of conventional conventionalism like what's conventional and then all of a sudden when you start thinking about our food supply as a as a as an example you have organic food and then you have standard american food standard american diet and nobody looks at the fact that the standard american diet or the conventional diet the, the food that's made to be the standard um which is what's common it's for the commoners essentially is as actually basically it's toxins masquerading as like food like byproducts or there's some kind of like illusion appearance of it being food but it's really just toxic and then you have organic food which is closer or it's the closest representation to food but that is like weird it's like put out over here and it's more expensive paradoxically and it's made to be kind of like this thing that hippies do or it's just some kind of weird thing and um, you know, I just thought about that too, and this whole collectivism. Can you can you talk a little bit about this idea of collectivism as it relates to um, what we're talking about? Because that's a term that I don't hear too many, other than like Michael Tessarian and stuff. Too many people talk about, but I think it's a really important theme. Well, the collectivism just means you know a big group, right? But what the social, the psychology behind it is that humans are natural pack animals. So wherever you find humans, they're very, uh, they naturally coalesce together into groups. 
Now, what we're what we're having today is there's groups, but through again through the inverted and perverse media, you can actually dictate what group is going to be the bigger group, the vaxxer or the anti-vaxxer, the government workers or the non-government workers, the, you know, the, the pro this or the anti that. So the media knows or like our social engineers are aware that the humans not only are pack animals, but they have a huge propensity to go to the larger group to find safety. So the inverted media knows how to manipulate it to the point where, for example, if you watch the average news show today and you see a report on CNN or any of these other mainstream media programs, they're going to report like the vaccination population is the bigger group. And that's a lie to begin with. Not, not many, the, the, the vaccination group has been shrinking dramatically and is getting very small all the time. But what they'll do is they'll manipulate the psyche of the person. And the people who are watching the TV who don't really know what's going on don't know that they're getting their natural genetic impulses tugged. The, the average person doesn't care about vaccination or, or not vaccinating. They just want the safety of the bigger group. And the more insane and violent and threatening the society, the more they don't really care about what they're deciding on. They're just going to go with the bigger group to find safety. So they're ma manipulating the collectivism by giving false reports about what's the bigger group. Like after the shooting in Florida, you, you know, you put this, you know, you roll the news, uh, the news stories about massive groups of students going against guns, but most really don't care. And there's a huge equal group or even bigger that wants to keep the guns because, of course, we're all aware of why they want to take the guns away. But if you're at home and you're just scared, you don't care about guns or no guns or vaccinating your kids or not vaccinating because it's proven that the human doesn't make decisions based on logic unless it's kind of drawn out for them, they're going to base it on propaganda and indoctrination and what's the bigger group. The actual size of the groups are being manipulated from the media to draw the kind of uninformed public over to kind of stake their claim with their own personal flag and say, this is my group, this is where I belong, and this is, you know, this is the actual idea I believe in but they're not going there because the idea makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Vaccination doesn't make any sense. Okay. Taking, having the Royal families who masquerade as our altruistic governments be the only one with the guns. If you have any sort of history book, you'll know that that's not a rational idea, but if it's tabled through the media, which again is controlled by the same ruling families, and it's portrayed that you're in the minority if you want a gun, or you're in the minority if you're uh, not vaccinating, you're going to get this huge drift of people over there uh, taking those fabricated positions simply because humans like to feel the safety of the bigger herd because we have animal genes inside us. And if you were a reindeer, a weak reindeer outside the herd, we all know what the wolf, who, who the wolf ate first. 
And that's the sort of genetics that are driving people's illogical and irrational behavior to simply, you know, go make friends with a larger group simply because it's a larger group. And that's called subjective morality, where, you know, that's another issue what's all together, where no one's making decisions on what's really right and what's really wrong. It's just like, who's going to give me the bigger paycheck? Or where am I going to find the most safety? And that's why our society is crumbling. Because if you start putting morality on the back burner and you simply want, you know, the whole society is based on uh, telling the right lie to the right person at the right time for the right paycheck, all you're going to get is a destruction of that society because a society can't run on lies. It's impossible for a society to be built upon lies. There's no foundation there. Yeah, that wow, that was really well said. I, you know what I was thinking about, and I'm pretty sure you've probably seen this the the um, documentary about er- Edward Bernays, the Century oh. of Self. What right. incredible! What an incredible explanation for our consumer, egoic, self-centered, self-centric society. And it, it really is is really like if anyone hasn't seen that. Definitely worth your research and looking into that movie. It's free on YouTube, The Century of Self. And Edward Bernays was, of course, the nephew of Sigmund Freud, weirdly enough. And um, he basically used his uncle's um, really, really incredible principles in psychology to basically experiment and mass manipulate, um, you know, the population in terms of like, um, cons- turning them to consumerism and increasing, you know, it's like, it's really crazy. Like when you get into it and you see like how the situation we're in with the consumerism driven society and seeing how so many different initiatives, like basically getting women to em- using cigarettes as a form of female empowerment. So they could, they could dislocate themselves or disassociate themselves from from males essentially as a power a power move and get them to actually believe that smoking cigarettes was a form of uh, female empowerment just all all kinds of crazy stuff and bernays found out that the the word that tested off the chart for reframing like of course with the cigarettes you can't sell cigarettes by talking about cigarettes because you can't say, you, you know, smoke these cigarettes, you'll get yellow teeth, you'll waste your money, you'll die early, you'll get cancer, no one will want to kiss you, you'll age prematurely, you'll look like an apple doll. Of course, that's not going to sell cigarettes. And of course, with McDonald's or something like that, it's the same sort of thing. You can't really talk about the food. It's poison. It's toxic. It'll make you constipate. It'll make you die early. It'll make you sick. I remember one McDonald's commercial, you know, they focused on the, you know, at McDonald's restaurant is a place to stop and use the bathroom during your summer long trips because you know you can't really talk about the food because of course it it'll kill you and the same thing with with the cigarettes and Bernays found that what tested off the chart if you could associate the you know the fatal product that you're selling with freedom and that's why if you remember in in the documentary uh, Bernays had the catchphrase called torches of freedom. Right. So women, of course, who were repressed at the time, who had sort of a instinctual need to be a bit more free. And this is where, 
you know, Sigmund Freud's work came in, which Bernays, again, was a relative and, and hijacked a lot of the stuff. They were discussing it at the kitchen table all the time. And Bernays would say, wow, you mean humans aren't logical? They're not rational. They react on emotion. And if you scare them, they're more emotional than their illogical foundations. And Bernays was saying, wow, you know, I could use Freud just wanted to lament about it and have people adorn him with intellectual criticism. But Bernays, of course, saw that the human mind was easily hacked. And, and he was the one that came up with the phrase torches of freedom to show women that cigarettes weren't really cigarettes. They're torches of freedom. They're about your emancipation, your, 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 you know, your evolution, you becoming, having equal rights. And it's the same thing. It's really called reframing. It's like abortion, right? It's not really killing your unborn child. It's a, my body, my choice, right? And so when you reframe something, what they're really trying to do is make something that you wouldn't like uh, sound like really nice. Like the, say the Patriot Act, you, you know, if you were to go down to a subway station in New York City and say, you know, this is before the Patriot Act came out, maybe, and say, what do you think of the Patriot Act? And they're like, wow, you know, I want to be a patriot. I think the Patriot Act is good. But then when you look into it, it takes away your rights. It increases the power of a tyrannical government. It actually even had a clause in it where if so, if a vaccine manufacturer made a vaccine that killed you and your children, you could never sue them. What does that have to do with patriotism? And these are the mind hacks that uh, Bernays was well aware of. One of them is reframing, where you simply call something, um, like George Bush was famous for this, he increased the amount of pollution that was allowed in, um, in all the waterways, and he called it the Clean Wa Waterway Act. And then he increased the levels of pollution that were allowed in the air, and he called it the Clean Air Act. And humans are very easy to trick like this, especially when their schooling doesn't review that their brain has flaws. <laughs> and, and there's nothing more truthful than understanding that the brain all of us have between our ears is easy to hack. It's hacked all the time. There's not a large spectrum of hacking options. And if we're not told about them, because that's all part of the design, so that our brains can be hacked so we can stay at our level and the people who know how to hack our brain can stay at this level, because if they didn't, we'd all be the same. And the people organizing this really don't want to cut their own lawns. They don't want to make their own food. They're just kind of the most lazy and inept and uh, psychopathic of the lot. And they hold all this acquired knowledge, which they've accumulated over thousands of years, kind of how to manipulate and how to best farm the humans. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, brilliant. And one of the, and to your point again, <clears throat> with Edward Bernays, one of the things he did when this reframing principle is he coined the term public relations, right? And when you really look at it, what does that even mean? It basically means propaganda, right? That's basically what that ends up they ended up disclosing in that that documentary and his whole and his whole objective. Um, but he called it public relations, and I didn't even really know really what that meant or where, what what was the etymology of that. Where did that come from? Until I watched that, I was like, "Isn't that interesting?" 
And this whole, this whole reframing principle I find interesting because if you look in personal development circles, um, Anthony Robbins certain type of circles or, or just psychology, reframing is a common principle. Like if somebody doesn't want to do something or they're having some kind of mental block, maybe it's an eating habit or it's an exercise or fitness thing. And so we'll have to associate uh, a certain behavior with a positive outcome and, and kind of link those together. And you might have to reframe it because then somebody, um, a typical thought form might be somebody is like, oh, I, I, um, it's associated with like a lot of effort or, or, or something that's, that's not necessarily fun or exciting. And so in order for them not to go for the cupcake or not to avoid the, the immediate gratification, they have to reframe um, how they're looking at it, right? But I, I just thought, you know, you just brought it, you just brought this in on a whole nother level in terms of like the mass conditioning and how everything has pretty much been reframed for us, but there's obviously a deeper meaning to it all. Yeah, and if you reframe all the time and, you know, you believe that, and of course the, uh, you know, the forest government school system tells us really just to keep repeating what we're told. But, you know, you can reframe the voting as freedom. I'm, I know there's some interactions on Facebook. Someone says, I'm not going to vote. And they're like, well, you know, how dare you? Someone died for your freedom. But the average person, when they reframe the stuff and they combine it with all these other agendas, they're really inhibited from thinking. The average person never even thinks about the fact that why don't you just vote for the laws that govern you? Right. right. And they're like, oh, they, because it's almost like thinking or the destruction of thinking is the goal of all these agendas or most of them. And when they combine in this way, like we're talking about, you can, again, hack the mind. I mean, how easy is it to hack the mind of someone who, who refuses or can't remember the last time they had their own thought roll, roll through their head? And of course, this sort of... Um, uh, mind hacking it's always sold as free will right you, you know you just happen to be doing the absolute same thing as everybody else in the world you're getting married you're working a job you don't like there's a, a lineup of 400 cars at the coffee shop and you know you pay the same amount of taxes you just live in the same house you retire at the same time and then you, you're kind of tricked to think you know i'm original that's everybody else who's saying and and it's always sold as I, I made the decision to get the coffee. I made the decision to watch this show. I made the I had this uh, uh, choice between a couple different people on the docket, and I voted for this person. So all these agendas too work really well when people think they're acting out of their own free will. Where if you watch the documentary Century of Self, or you investigate Edward Bernays. Nothing is, it's of the sort. It's the exact opposite. Everything you're doing in a day is because the media told you that that's where the bigger group was at your particular junction in life. For example, most people are getting married simply because of the Disney propaganda that they see when they're children. The, the, the females are given this what's called princess programming where they're, you know, they're literally impregnated with the idea that their life's a complete failure unless they have this huge wedding and they're in a white dress and they marry this, you know, knight in shining armor. And of course, our human farmers love that because there's nothing that's going to disempower the slave class more than wasting between 20 and 
$100,000 to get married to start your life off where you don't have any money to begin with. So there's nothing... Uh, and these agendas, they all kind of link together. So it's one thing to, you know, think you're not have, you don't have any personal value unless you're having this big wedding because you're, you, that low self-worth is going to come in uh, in your, you know, you want to comply with the societal expectations. All that kind of low self-worth programming has its own benefits but this, they never do one agenda at once. They accomplish many things with one, you know, they kill many birds with one stone. And getting into debt or spending money you don't have just puts the shackles even harder on that slave. And uh, that's just sort of one example where people think, I'm deciding out of my own free will to do X, Y, and Z. And uh, the people like Edward Bernays and all the other ones who organize the propaganda and our indoctrination, they laugh at us because we go where they want us to go. And that's what the kind of the, the light, lighted eye above the pyramid is they will shine the light and we will follow. That's what that sim- symbol is really about. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's just so many, so many good nuggets in there. And I want to, I want to take this opportunity to, you know, because you mentioned, especially the princess programming, and I definitely see that I can see how that pops up in a lot of different instances. Um, and also the prince programming, not necessarily the queen or the king archetype. I want to just put that distinction out because I want to segue into the masculine, the empowered masculine and feminine archetypes in the in the disempowerment programs around that. And I think you're this is actually bringing us right into it because when we study archetypes like Jungian archetypes and all the other different, um, Michael Tessarian has some diff- interesting perspectives on all this and really important area to start looking into mythology and philosophy and developmental psychology. And I think from an archetypical perspective, it's interesting because if we take the princess in the prince archetype, we see the Peter Pan type of syndrome, the the perpetual childhood, avoiding responsibility, avoiding commitment, never really committing to anything long term and putting anything on the line, so to speak. But then when we think of the, the queen archetype and the king archetype, that to me is a fundamentally different, um, uh, I can't even call it a program, but a, um, you know, an embodiment, right? And so I'd like to kind of start going in that direction. Like, what is that? First of all, what I just said, um, do you have any particular perspectives around that? Well, I know the people who organize the illusion that a lot of people are caught in. They're more like energy magicians. And it's very easy to go to a hardware store and you'll pick up a battery, okay? And a battery is life. It's the flow of, of electricity. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a, we could t- do a two-hour talk just on electricity. What is it? Why does it uh, start with the letter E? What, you know, what's the other symbols for the letter E? We could do a whole show just on electricity because frankly no science uh scientists has ever been able to figure out where it comes from what it actually is okay but it's a life force and just because we can buy it in, in like a battery a duracell battery at the uh 
at the hardware store, we kind of negate the very special magical property of electricity. Now, for electricity to flow, what do you need? It has to have two sides, right? And this is where the, the energy magicians are really coming into play, is that you need a male side and you need a female side. And all of the foundational principles, all the physics, all the geometry, all the scientific principles, they're steady across the whole universe. So if you want life to exist, you need a male and you need a female. And if you would like to disrupt life on any planet, you simply start energetically manipulating one of those two poles. Because if you eliminate the male and there's only the female remaining, well, then life stops. Or you, you get into a situation where life is so chaotic, as the social engineers, you might step in and say, everybody's having a hard time reproducing we're going to solve the problem again, the same problem that we created because this is the agenda. And we're going to take over reproduction and, and, you know, who lives and who dies. And the male is completely under attack energetically on this planet. So I don't know if that was just picked on a coin flip to interfere with how life really works. But the male right now is under a dramatic attack, of course. Sperm levels, uh, fertility levels of sperm are down about 50% to 60% across the world. And, you know, it's kind of like the Jurassic Park situation. I remember in Jurassic Park, we might have talked about this before, where Goldblum, his character, asked one of the scientists, you know, what happens if the dinosaurs get outside the fence? And the, the scientist at the time turned to him and said, well, we just remove X, Y, and Z from their feed. And of course, they die off. Or I think one time they even said they were all females. And we just manipulate the hormones so that they stay always female. That was a very telling uh, little tidbit. And they kind of let out these breadcrumbs here and there in their Hollywood productions. But the human male is under attack. The fertility of the sperm, the, the actual functionality of the, the male sperm is plummeting by design across the world. The males themselves are becoming less male because of the same chemicals. So if you happen to be born a male, you're going to be born less male than you should have been. And like, for example, Tyrone, Dr. Tyrone Hayes out of the University of California, he was um, employed by Sergenta, I believe, to investigate one of their primary pesticides. Um, I can't remember the pesticide's name off the bat, but he came back to Sergenta and said that the pesticide was testing for making the uh, test animals or the research animals homosexual and of course they shut down right away and they asked him for they paid him which means they owned his data they're trying to destroy his data but of course he kept a copy and, if, and then of course the media comes in so no one knows about this mercury uh, there's um there was a there's a coal plant or another sort of plant in the Florida Everglades where they were leaking mercury and the alligators uh, or the crocodiles, I think it's a gator, alligator in Florida, 
their penises became so small they couldn't procreate because of the mercury runoff. And it's very simple. You know, attacking the male is very simple because if you put any pollution into the system of the male, the testosterone drops right away because the way the body deals with toxicity is it increases its estrogen levels. So even if you were to have um, a mother with mercury teeth fillings or, you know, she might get vaccinated. And of course there's mercury and aluminum in, in vaccines. You have this, every molecule of toxicity that say the mother brings in her estrogen levels go really, really high feminizing the male, or even if it's before pregnancy, you can set a hormonal profile. So you're not going to have a male whatsoever because the body increases its estrogen levels in the face of toxicity. So the more toxins uh, are released on the planet, the less males will be born and the less masculine, if the male happens to make it through, uh, the less masculine that man is gonna be. And if you watch a documentary made by the CBC called The Disappearing Male, you're gonna see that the, uh, and it's, it's very common today when you run into a family of three daughters or two daughters and a boy. You know, it's very rare to say, see today more males than female. So the, the start of the attack on the male has to do with toxicity. And a lot of it is purposeful. I mean, we don't have a, we don't have a, po- a population problem on this earth, even though the, the new movie I just saw, uh, Avengers Infinity War, said that we do. We have a pollution problem. We don't have a population problem. Everything science and medicine and government endorses is pollution-based, and they don't put any effort into curtailing the pollution. This is a direct attack on the male, uh, whether it's a male that exists now or one that could not be birthed forward because the estrogen levels were too high in both the father and the mother to produce a male in the first place. So that's where it starts is the chemical attack on the male. Hope that, I, I hope I explained that for, at a basic level for everybody. No, perfectly. I mean, the basic idea is that our environment is flooded with xenoestrogens, these fake um, estrogen-mimicking compounds. We know that all pesticides have an endocrine-disrupting effect, which is what you're talking about, skyrocketing estrogen in the wrong kinds of estrogen um, this estrogen is a natural, it's a natural part of our chemistry, male or female, but it's in the ratio and our testosterone is being outcompeted through a process called aromatization, which is basically where our testosterone in a man gets converted into a steroidal form of estrogen. And this is, and we know, you know, secondary reproductive um, cancers, prostate cancer, breast cancer, probably every form of cancer now is starting to be correlated with hormone imbalances and these estrogen dominant conditions. Where does it all come from? When did it all start? Well, pretty good assumption that it really started with the the the, the spewing of all these uh, you know chemical warfare really in our environment and in our food supply. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it, people have to start understanding that, yeah, there's two kinds of pesticides. There's neurogenic and estrogenic. And it's been shown that, you know, if they apply the estrogenic, and the reason they would apply that is that the bugs have the same birthing cycles and are affected by the estrogen. Uh, if the, the bug has too much estrogen, it can't reproduce. And the same thing goes for humans. And, and it's been shown that like on a non-organic head of cauliflower, there's the equivalent of three to four birth control pills in, the, in terms of the estrogenic pesticide. And again, if you're voting, I mean, did you vote for that? Of course you didn't vote for that. And it's time people woke up to the fact that there are people in charge of you which you acquiesce to, that you comply to because of the professional teenage agenda where they just kind of open the door when you were a seven-year-old and say, you go play, I'll take care of the house. And you're like, yeah, and that was okay when you were seven. <laughs> but, you know, when you're 47 and all you want to do is get shit-faced down at the bar and uh, Google your secretary up and down with your eyes and, and stay a permanent infant who never thinks about your financial future, your health future. You know, all these agendas are, are interlinked and you, people have to realize, you know, you can't just leave your house anymore going, you know, I'm just going to drive to this job I don't like, pick up a lobotomizing coffee because caffeine's proven to lobotomize the nervous system. And I'm just going to go have this 12-inch sub to lobotomize me at noon, and they're going to have wine to lobotomize me at night. You know, I'm going to let the government run the show, and I'm just going to have fun. That's my job. I'm just going to buy stuff and have fun. Well, you can't do that. Because the people who we're talking about are spraying birth control pills on your food and attacking the male energy on the planet. And it's obvious their agenda, if you do just a little bit of digging, is that they have a very adversarial view of you living, period. So, you know, if, if someone working through government sources trying to murder you and your kids doesn't get your full attention, I'm not too sure what will, and it's not my job to save the planet. Mm. It's everybody's. Mm. So I'm not getting up off my, uh, well, I get off my rear a little bit more than most people trying to save the planet. But we're, you know, this, this 10 or 15 or 20% group of awakened people can't drag the other 80% professional teenagers who don't give a shit about the world and them being manipulated. And, and again, it goes back to the century of self where you said we were programmed through very documented modalities where we became so self-centered. We don't even care about our own kids. We don't care about the, the lake our kid will drink from. We don't care about, we just want to get drunk. we we'll smoke a joint. We're going to have some cigarettes and we're going to get some Dorito chips. We're going to go to the big game. We're going to get that engagement ring and everything's going to be great. And you can see how these are all interconnected agendas. And the century of self is a great explanation to show us how did we get so completely self-centered? Mm. How do we get so shallow? How do we get so not interested in thinking that we, we can't even understand? They're spraying poison on your food. And, you, and, and you're buying it. So you know, something's got to give. And what's giving today is the human health because that was always the design. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure where I started, what question it was when I started, but that's, I guess, where I'll take a little break. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's Michael Tessarian has a great quote, which is, it's not about, the question isn't if you're being lied to, the question is, have you bought in the lie, right? Have you been bought what you've been sold? And um, and I think, you know, I really like how you, you took it in that basic position is, um, have you have you bought in the lie? You know, we know that we've been lied to. Like that that's not that that's that's an irrelevant question. But the answer we need to start answering for ourselves is have I bought in a lie? And not to judge ourselves, right? Because that's a part of the disempowerment program too, like the shame and the guilt complex and like and people get into this movement and I I don't know about you, I know for me there was a period where I was like, "Oh my god, how could I do this?" and and all these people, and I know people that that you know vaccinate vaccinate their children because they're they're innocently ignorant, and they think they're doing the right thing. Then they find out about what happens, and then they're they're completely shell shocked, and now they're like so riddled with guilt and 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 you know all these things. Um, you know, I just like to kind of touch on that point with some time that we have as far as this disempowerment program and the, the all the guilt and shame complex. Well, a real adult has no problem. It's just another, it's going to be a very foreign concept in our professional teenager society that we make mistakes. And a real adult has no problem opening the blast furnace of that mistake and having the, the flames consume you. And then from the, from the ashes of your ignorance, you can rebuild something better. And a lot of people who are caught in the permanent childhood, because as children, when we caught lie, we would just lie more. We would dig harder into the lie. We would, you know, we'd gain promotion in the lie that we wanted to be a professional liar and have everybody believe us. And that's the way of the child. And of course, we're supposed to catch that right away, but that's another reason they always separate the child from the parents. We can't parent them properly. But this is just a natural rite of passage. It's okay that you didn't know at one time and you do know now, but inside the century of self, uh, you know, the manufacturing of this huge herd of humans that are, are so self-centered and so shallow, they want nothing to do with the hard work, the introspection that comes with being fooled. They just want to, um, today, they want, people are so disinterested in doing the key work in the transition from child to adult, they want their psychopathic groupies in government to legalize the lie. So at first, they would the, the psychopaths in your government and everybody who's there have been, the lies being monetized. So at first, they just monetize the lie. So they, they set up a medical school or a nursing school where they teach doctors lies about vaccines and about medication. And then they give the biggest liar the best marks and the, the biggest degrees and the most adoration and the most support and the most promotion. And that's the monetization of the lie. Then it's coming out that these self-serving shallow individuals are starting to realize that they're going to have to do a little bit more introspection and independent research because it's so obvious that they were sold to lie. And a lot of them are turning around and saying, F that. I want 
the same liars who monetized my lie now to legalize the lie. I want everybody, this is how self-centered and shallow most people in the system are, because they are so disinterested in looking in the mirror, they want to force you under the rule of law to pretend the lie is real. So even with vaccination, the nurses are wrong, the doctors are wrong, the government are wrong, and you know what they're really afraid of? Because if the truth gets out to more people, the people will burn this system to the ground overnight, or at least demonetize the lie. Like in your community, a doctor who poisons the shit out of children for a living should not be making $350,000 a year. Because an organic cart of vegetables can outdo that doctor in terms of health improvement. And those organic vegetables, they're not even alive. You just stick them in your mouth and you'll outdo your doctor any day in terms of any disease you have whatsoever. And the, the doctors are so addicted, they're punch drunk with their, their power that they were given. They're so empty inside, they could never function without this fabricated uh, energy exchange or the, what I call the scraps off master's table. There's nothing underneath them to hold them up. There's no integrity. There's no soul. So if the lie dies, they die. And this is another failsafe of the lie-based system is that you employ so many people who'd have no idea what to do outside the lie that they're going to try and force you by gunpoint to keep living it. And that's what, I mean, nothing scares me, <laughs> but that's what's going on. And I see that today is, you know, like Dr. Rich is his name, Dr. Richard Penn. Is that his name out in California? The doctor that's trying to, you know, force everybody to take vaccines out there. Oh, I don't he, even know. Yeah. And he's, he's trying to legalize the lie. Such a mental infant, such a mental midget. When you talk, I mean, how did this guy get in such a position of power, well, that's, that's the whole um, design of the system, is to take our most morally corrupt souls and promote them up the ladder and say, like, who's the best liar? Who can repeat the most lies at, at the, exactly as I told you? And, you know, what we think are the smartest and most gifted students are literally the best liars because they will verify nothing they're saying. And kids start off like this in school, like, Christopher Columbus discovered, and you know, you fill the blank in on your grade two test, America. And, and the kid doesn't give a shit if it's true or not. They just care about the A plus or the Smurf stamp or the 10 out of the 10 or the big award. You know, Jimmy's the best liar and Janine's the second best liar in class. Everybody claps. You know, this is how inverted the system is. So it doesn't really matter what subject you want to review, these are the foundational problems. Mm -hmm. Our minds are getting hacked. There's a lot of indoctrination. There's a whole group of people that want nothing to do with the truth because the lie gave them the mansion. The lie gave them the five-star uh, vacation in the Caribbean, and they, they don't want to go to your three-star. So by all means, they're going to have to keep poisoning your kids and poisoning you and your family back into the Stone Age until morality comes back, where someone says, 
that job pays me 350 grand a year to pay uh, to poison my fellow citizens. I'm not going to take it because it's immoral. Until that day comes, we will continue to take this five-star first-class ride right into the crapper. No, I was just, you know, I was just thinking, Jason, about there was this episode of The Doctors, and it's so ironic, isn't it, that just a side note that one of the six major producers of that show turns out to be Del Bigtree, who is probably the number one leading anti-vaccination um, documentarian or journalist, I'd say is an appropriate way of describing him. And he obviously um, was the producer of the movie Vaxxed. And, and uh, I find that ironic because I was watching an episode on YouTube, just like this clip, and um, they were talking about vaccinations and pediatricians and this whole thing. And the doctors were defending it. The idea was that they were having like a dialectic, right? They were trying to have some kind of balance um, dialogue. And um, one of the, and then there was a doctor, I think, in the audience who wasn't even part of it. And he just stepped up and he was just like, you know, adamantly driving in this point about um, there's no proof for vaccines, blah, blah, blah. And um, the main, the main uh, doctor, the main host, I think he's the youngest one too. He literally has a nervous breakdown and goes into this like six-year-old temper tantrum and starts crying. I don't know if you saw that, but I thought yeah. it was... You're, yeah, you know, that, that's, J, that's J.P. Handley, the one who spoke up. And he is uh, one of the most educated and razor-sharp vaccine researchers on the planet. He has a book on vaccines. His son was injured by vaccines. He has his own Facebook page. And he let that doctor know that the lie shall not pass. And he had it right in the middle of filming. And the doctor, of course, was so used to uh, simply being adored because he was a good looking, all the, all the minutiae that's so foul about our society is that, you know, a good looking doctor that everybody swoons, you know, swoons about when they come in the restaurant or in the, and oh, he's a doctor and he's a very good looking male. And he, the fact of the matter is he was called to the floor on that episode. He knows absolutely nothing. And he is an obedient repeater he's reflexively obedient to authority and he's reflexively reflexively obedient to authority because he was probably traumatized in his youth and he would have ptsd from say something as, as simple as circumcision which is proven to inflict ptsd which makes someone so obedient to authority that that doctor literally made a pact with himself becoming self-centered and said i will repeat anything I have to say for the rest of my life to find safety with slave master. And I am going to find an occupation sucking on slave master's tit because that is the safest place for me, given the other complete and utter insanity that will be thrown my way if I don't comply with this insane society. So the doctors themselves have been proven to be groomed as some of the most traumatized children because of the PTSD they have. And they will actually repeat 
anything they're told without any moral or ethical review, simply because it's the most efficient way to avoid punishment in an insane society. So their adaptation is proven sane when faced with insanity. So they as well have to start doing some introspection because they as well have been taken advantage of in the same way we all have. We're all in the same boat. Um, the doctor's just taken advantage of. He's literally handpicked and promoted up the, you know, the very corrupted ruling pyramid simply because he refuses to uh, review anything on a moral or ethical level. I mean, if you can't understand that you are vaccinating a kid and they're having uh, neurological problems immediately after vaccination or within six days, and you're willing to ignore that, that's actually why you got the job. Because you're you're not handpicked because you're smart. You're handpicked because you refuse to think about anything you're being taught. And of course, that's why. I mean, people say, "Why don't you become a medical doctor?" And like, as if how could you know? I remember one guy stopped me outside a lecture one time, and he said, um, "Are you a medical doctor?" And I said, "Has what I told you made you sick or healthy?" And he said. Well, it's made me healthy. And I said, so why do you think I'm a medical doctor? <laughs> okay. And I know I really pound them into the pavement, but, you know, for the truth to penetrate, sometimes it has to be like an arrow and that's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, enough with poisoning everybody back into the stone age for a big salary, enough, enough, put your ego aside and start understanding that you could probably still have the salary, just start making people healthy and start questioning your immoral dictates from, from on high. Everybody's had enough. You could volunteer to do it yourself or the truth will be brought to your door eventually and that's going to be ugly. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I know we don't, we don't have too much more time to dive deep into this, but it's basically... It's a whole situation where you take the most committed and the most intelligent, not necessarily the smartest, but the most intellectually capable people and the most dedicated in the sense that it takes a lot to go through medical school. It takes a lot to go through that whole system. You basically have to give up your entire personal life to make it through that whole rigmarole. And so they take these people that are extremely committed, extremely enforcingly enforcing upon themselves discipline and also very intellectually capable and they turn them on all the wrong theories give them all misinformation and so their giftedness to be able to retain and, and take in that information is being completely misled and um, you know so it's, it's an interesting situation we're doing this with the scientists we're doing this with pretty much everyone in NASA and every government, every governmental body in, in the medical industry, et cetera, et cetera, taking those, the, the most intelligent people, turning them on the wrong information, and then sending them loose. Yeah, and it's not like they're just, uh, you know, doing a bad job. <laughs> there's, more, there's way more to it than that. What they're doing to people is a genocidal. That, that's what it is. It's kind of like a voluntary holocaust. It's a, it's a, it's a new sort of uh, approach to, to kind of farming the humans. 
So, yeah, I, I mean, I know it's a sort of harsh look at the medical doctors, and I know you have medical doctors as friends, and so do I. But I really try to um, get the message out in a way where, yeah, you can talk about me all you want. You can fire all your insults out. But if you hear me talk, you will know I'm not making this up. I'm very serious. We've all had enough. It, it's time that we can't build a society or even maintain the society we have when 80% of the people are sick or dying. It, it's not going to work like that. So if you, you know, if you cherish your house or you cherish your daily routine, no, it is under threat simply because people, immorality and unhealthy living has taken the driver's seat in our society. And that's how we can get out of this is we get healthy and we start making decisions based on morality, which something is right, something is wrong, and it doesn't matter what reward is uh, put in front of our face if we pick the wrong one. We have to start rejecting the immoral decisions in our life on all facets, no exceptions. Mm. I, I mean, that, that's, that's a beautiful place to just punctuate and, and cap off this incredible conversation. Um, I, could not, I could not agree more, especially as a younger, much younger man coming into my quote-unquote Jesus year, as an astrologer told me recently, which is obviously 33. And just on that note, you know, for all the young men becoming men, becoming empowered men, obviously it's for women too, but as a man, um, you know, I'm realizing how absolutely important it is for me to focus on dharma, to focus on purpose, to focus on why I was born, and to really focus my lifestyle in and around that central soul-based theme, not to get caught up in the externality and the reward punishment system and my own trauma and my own conditioning, but to get more and more focused on why was I born what am I here for and how can I continue to align my existence around that? In other words, how can I continue to embody the message that I'm attempting to convey into the world because they got to meet, right? Like we can't keep having these prophets where their message and their lifestyle are like, it's like the message is great, but it's like, (laughs) there's a a vibrational misalignment and people are just continuing to be confused. You got to bring all parts of your personality together. You know, males, we have to be role models, you know, put the booze down, the cigarettes down, Know that your kids and kids in your neighborhood, even if you don't have kids, copy and mimic everything you do. Be moral, regardless of consequence, and start leading by example. The way men, we're always supposed to lead by example. We're not violent, we're strong. And if you're moral, you'll know uh, when a moral conflict is necessary. It's not like you hide in the corner and, and tuck your Johnson between your legs and take abuse. You, you just have to understand it, it is us that are going to have to start being the moral animal on the planet and start leading uh, the youth to understand that these are options. You don't have to drink alcohol. You don't have to smoke marijuana. You don't have to take medical drugs. You don't need a family doctor. You don't. You need a garden. You know, you need clean water. You need sunshine. Uh, you need real food. You need real connection. You gotta, you're not born by accident. You're not some uh, random event. You have a purpose, 
and it's best you find out what it is and it's not getting drunk down at the pub and getting a big dragon tattoo down your side, you know, or getting your lips pumped up or whatever. That is not what you were put on the earth for. Beautiful. Well, I, as always, I, I just value, I value this connection and, and your willingness and time to come on here and share your insights and wisdom with me and all of us. So um, if people want to go deeper down the rabbit hole with you, obviously they can follow you on Facebook. You have a great YouTube channel with some great content. And what is your website? Uh, just Jay Kristoff with the one le- uh, letter J. But Facebook, a lot of people are going to my outdated Facebook page. The Facebook page that is the one I go to every day, the profile picture is me, my wife, and my kid on a sailboat, okay? And that's the, that's the garden I tend daily, and I try to use baby steps to try and get people moving in the right direction. Now, there's about 45,000 on the page, more, more every day. And, uh, you know, saving kids and making our world better is, is my goal. That's my goal. Incredible goal it is. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to the next uh, set of rabbit holes that we go down together. <laughs> Thanks, Roddy. Sorry we didn't cover exactly what you wanted to cover, but uh, you know how it goes sometimes. Oh, we went, we went, we went there and beyond. As <laughs> as I, I don't have too much control over this. I just I just throw it out there and then let it go where it goes. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, and have a good afternoon in Hawaii. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.